Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. I can get no satisfaction. All right, that's all I'm going to do with the song. Will, Will heard me practicing that earlier. I know it's terrible. So you're not satisfied with it? No, uh, no, no. Like a, <laughs> like a seven, I am not satisfied. Yeah. Excited, energetic, and extroverted, the enthusiast or Enneagram type seven is the life of the party or is the party of life. They are constantly looking for their next adventure. However, if not careful, they can become overwhelmed, leading them to be disorganized and scattered. In this episode, we take a deep dive in the Enneagram Type 7. We'll look at what motivates them, how they respond to situations, and how to interact with a 7, whether you are coworkers, friends, or romantic. But... Before we get started, Will, what's got you excited this week? Well, I am transitioning from being a contractor to being full-time at the job I've been at for 18 months. So they called me last Friday and like, hey, did you notice we have open positions? Hint, hint. It's <laughs> 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 kind of like, oh, I'm supposed to apply for one of those. Okay, so I did that. Uh, it's already gone through to the point where they've made an offer and I'm actually waiting on the drug test paperwork and background screening paperwork right now. Very cool. Which will probably come in tonight. So that's, uh, that's pretty good. You know, it, this is probably the best environment I've ever worked in hmm. uh, as far as just like the, the way the team interacts with each other, like they're positive. They don't do the whole death March thing very much. They'll occasionally yeah. get overloaded a little bit, but it's not, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So, you know, really good environment. There is a progression, you know, like you can move up to the next level at, at certain points versus, uh, you know, you're the junior software architect and you can't go any higher because the next level up is owner, <laughs> you know, and you're also not going to yeah. get a pay raise. Not that I've ever been in that situation. So yeah, that's, that's pretty good. The second thing, which is kind of a, a bit of a downer is my Russian teacher has basically decided to get out of teaching Russian. With all the COVID stuff, she had to kind of change her job situation around. Yeah. Got a full-time job uh, that really eats up a lot of time and just doesn't have, you know, doesn't have time to, to do that. So I'm going to be back uh, looking for a teacher, probably get on italki or something here uh, in the next two weeks. I'm, I'm not rushing that, though, because... Uh, mainly because I, you know, I think that there's probably still going to be some adjustment from the new job and there's going to be some overhead for that. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to get stuff a little bit more organized uh, before I get back to um, having a teacher and having regular classes. Um, I do think it'll be less work. I won't have five or six hours of of homework on the weekends, at least not for a while until I can convince the teacher that no, really throw more stuff at me is a good way to make me better. And that usually takes a minute. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I I feel like things are going pretty good. Uh, The wife and the kid are at the beach with the wife's family. So I'm kind of batching it this week, which is why I had to tell you, I was like, Hey, uh, before we record, I need to throw clothes in the dryer. (laughs) I'm going to have a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was was kind of funny. 
So yeah, the plumbing issue last week made that like, yeah. laundry wasn't done before they left really for me. I, so. I understand when I was in med school, I would do laundry about every other week because I didn't have washer and dryer at one of the places I lived. So I had to go to the laundromat and it was just easier to like, I had enough scrubs and clothes cause you, you wear scrubs all the time. And so I didn't wear like my street clothes as often and I had enough scrubs to last, but yeah, underwear, I would go buy underwear and socks until I kind of like could survive for two weeks without it. Yeah. That's actually on the Costco list for this weekend mm. for that reason. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's annoying. And, and like, it's like your population of socks drops over time. Oh, it, it does. It does. Yes. And, yeah. and it's like, I, I very clearly don't throw them out because mm-hmm. the ones that, that are like the Highlander of the sock drawer, they're still there. Yeah. <laughs> Holes and all. No. And it's like, it's really weird. But anyway, so we went way off topic. So how are you doing this week? Dude, why do none of my friends want to jump out of an airplane with me? I'm mixed on it. You should come. You should come. Maybe I should invite my enthusiast friends. You know, my sevens. Yeah. They're always up for an adventure. <laughs> no, I'm I'm legitimately considering going skydiving here in the next week or so. I was looking at they have some uh Sunday afternoon options and I might go this Sunday afternoon. It's not very expensive. I think it's like a couple hundred dollars for a tandem jump. And that includes like a video and stuff like that. So it could be fun. Be nice to get somewhere cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to uh to get certified, it's like uh, a couple of thousand dollars and that includes like all the jumps and stuff you need for it and all the training. So like I'll do a tandem, see if I even like it. And then who knows, that might be the next thing I learned to do. Speaking of learning, I am speaking at uh, Art Tech Nashville tomorrow. I'll be sharing my Raspberry Pi cluster project. We had an episode on that a few weeks back with them and hopefully doing a live demo of it. Well, it's not actually live because we're not in person. It's on a stream, but it is live streaming. You know what I mean? That and uh, I finished another Robert Heinlein book this week, Puppet Masters. Uh, If my count is correct, that leaves 27 that I still haven't read. Uh, Years ago, uh, I think when we were in college, really, is when I really started getting into Heinlein. I was devouring his novels and I came to the realization that while he was a prolific writer, there are a finite number of his books. So to spread the joy of reading a new one, I slowed down and I, I get about one a year. Some years, like the years when I was in medical school, I didn't read any. And some years I read more than one. It, but I try to keep it around that um, just to let me you know, spread that out a bit more. Uh, and there's lots of other authors that I want to read. Saving money is hard, especially when you're busy planning your next adventure. Like skydiving. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here at CDP, his focus is on helping you not only establish a real plan, but also to be able to take action on that plan so that you can live your best life. Yeah, because the thing about financial planning services is it really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances with their help. Level Up has a great pricing model and the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. 
Lucas is also a fiduciary for his clients, which means he's not here to sell your product, but to help guide you towards a better financial situation. Yeah, and you guys can find some fun, free resources and learn a lot more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. The Enneagram of Personality, or just the Enneagram, is a representation of personalities using a geometric figure, also called an Enneagram. They do that with a little E, which obviously comes out in spoken text so well. Um, (laughs) They use this to express non-interconnected personality types. While each type is unique, it's related to the other types through the circle connecting the type to each of its wings and the lines or arrows in the center connecting the type to the ones it imitates in times of stress or growth. The Enneagram is used in business management training to better understand interpersonal dynamics in the workplace. And by the way, we have an image of that, so you can actually look at what we're talking about. Yeah, on the original episode. It's not in the the individual episodes. But yeah. if you go back and look at the overview of the Enneagram episode, there is, or you can also just Google Enneagram and the image will pop up. You know, did I, did I get a I get a kickback for saying bing it? Bingle it? Swing it and bing it. Yeah. <laughs> Wing it and bing it. Right. So types five, six, and seven constitute the head triad. Um, this is our last month talking about the head triad. And it is primarily motivated by thoughts. Those in the head triad tend to filter life through an intellectual lens. Because of that, they're motivated by a need for security and tend to feel stressed or anxious when that need is not met. They are often accused of overthinking things or living in their heads. Of the three types within the triad, sevens want nothing to do with fear. Uh, Fear of being alone, fear of insecurity, fear of pain, fear of discomfort. They attempt to completely avoid it by ignoring it even when it can be something that is helpful for them. At their best, sevens find wonder in the simple things in life. They're joyful and ecstatic. They understand that more times than not, less is more, which allows them to understand how much they have invested into their own happiness. They're able to allow themselves to feel a full range of emotions, even the less pleasant ones. On the other side, at their worst, sevens are excessive, impulsive, and infantile. They don't know when to stop, especially when doing something pleasurable. They feel sorry for themselves, often taking on the victim mentality. To escape this anxiety around everything being against them in their minds, they become impulsive to the point of losing control. In this episode, we'll be looking at the sevens. As with the previous episodes, we'll take a balanced approach diving into both the positive and negative traits of the enthusiast. We'll start with a discussion of the main characteristics of the seven, then look at the related types through wings and arrows. Finally, we'll close out the discussion with interactions with seven at work, in friendships, and in relationships. So, the Enneagram type seven is the enthusiast. Their high enthusiasm for everything in life is why the seven is called the enthusiast. They're extroverted, spontaneous, playful, and high-spirited, approaching life with a sense of adventure and curiosity. Yeah, I I have a couple of friends who are sevens. And one of them, I I think of her, she is very much like this, always like curious and ready for the next adventure. However, sevens can become overextended if they're not careful. 
they have a tendency to take on all the projects that interest them. And this tendency leads to a scattered, undisciplined life with little actually getting finished. Yeah. And I'm sure we've all met people like that. I know my my friend um, that I'm thinking of, she is a very healthy seven and so has learned ways to keep herself on task to finish the things she starts and has also learned how to look into something or learn about something without having to start a project on it. Like she does some graphic design and stuff and has a little bit of interest in coding. So she's watched some tutorials, but you know, hasn't taken on a coding project because she's like, I'm just not that interested in it. And she's healthy enough to know that about herself, to know not to get started. And we'll talk even more about that when we get into talking about like um, healthier sevens. Enthusiasts are best described by the word chutzpah, which is Yiddish for an extreme self-confidence or audacity. They dive after the things they want in life with a cheerful, joyous determination. Like they just dive head first into it and are so confident in their ability to do the thing that they want to do, to learn the thing that they want to learn, or to accomplish the project that they're setting out to accomplish. Even though history has shown they don't always accomplish everything or they can get overwhelmed. When they start something new, they're headlong into it. It is everything to them until they get distracted. (laughs) Yeah. That reminds me of my dad, except for the distraction. Because very much, he just like goes over the top on whatever he happens to be doing. (laughs) And you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do, yes. (laughs) As members of the head triad, sevens will avoid pain by thinking their way out of it, or trying to at least. They will either intellectualize painful emotions or start telling jokes and stories to change the topic. Introspection is difficult for the seven because they actively run from it, which you kind of have to do to have chutzpah. Yeah. That's literally why it gets recognized. It's because you don't <laughs> introspect enough that mm-hmm. people notice it. Yeah. that That's the thing with, with the sevens is they don't like any type of discomfort, pain, physical, emotional. They don't like endings. Like, I, I going through this, I really think at least Matt Smith's doctor was a seven. That's one of the interesting things about Doctor Who is each actor brings their own personality to the character. And each ri- show writer does too. But um, yeah, he was definitely uh, an Enneagram seven. Be interesting to see what the others were. But, uh, but for sure, Matt Smith's was a seven. And now that I've bored Will completely because I started talking Doctor Who, we'll move on. Enthusiasts are not particularly intellectual or even the best students. I mean, you know, they are part of the thinking head triad. Instead, they have a quick wit, agile minds, and what's called anticipatory thinking. Sevens will foresee things coming down the line. They'll they'll be able to predict almost supernaturally stuff that's going to be happening and then try to come up with ideas in the moment, how to solve it. Uh, They're very fast with their thinking. um, And so they can, they can do that very quickly and they can see, foresee things very well. 
sevens have an un- uncanny ability to reframe a bad situation to something positive. It stems from a defense mechanism, but when used consciously, they not only rationalize any negative, but are then able to turn it into a win. Uh, John Sonmez does this, by the way. I've, I've seen him, like, some crap will happen. Like, that's <laughs> that's great because, and by the time he says because, he knows what he's going to say. Yeah. Like how he's going to completely flip that around and you're just like, man, <laughs> it, it's, it's a beautiful thing to behold, but sometimes you're just like, man, how do you... <laughs> I could I could see him being a seven. Yeah, I have no idea which one he is, uh, but he definitely has picked that one up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen it in in my seven friends too. When we when the restrictions around COVID started lessening, we um, we opened the church back up to people coming in person. We like restricted how many could come in at first, you know, but we were still streaming. And my friend who's a seven, she does a lot of video, uh, videography and stuff for her work and on the side and stuff. So she ended up being one of our main camera techs, even though she's not on the tech team, she volunteered to help out. And like we would hit a problem and not even related to the cameras or anything. And she was just like right there reframing it, getting everyone back like energized and stuff. Of course, you had three, well, two techies and former military uh, as your kind of section leads. So we all took the attitude of there's a problem. Cool. We get to solve it. Yeah. It's like emotional <laughs> anti-fragility. Yeah. Um, and, and the the seven for would like just help us along. She would just be like our, our cheerleader almost reframing stuff for like, oh, this isn't working. And she'd like turn it around. You know, and I'm not talking about the, oh, this isn't working. Well, you found another way that it doesn't work. Let's go for the, no, like that's cheesy. Like she had like, the thing with sevens is they can really, really rationalize this. Like to the point that if you don't know what you're looking for, you won't even recognize what they're doing. When faced with disappointment or emotional pain as children, sevens created their own pain-free world to live in. So like other members of the triad, at some early developmental point, they internalize the idea that they're on their own and no one is coming to help or take care of them, which is great, by the way, because as an adult, you learn that anyway. <laughs> Unlike other members of the tri- the head triad, Seven's determined to find comfort for themselves by hiding away in their own happy thoughts until the painful event had passed or was no longer an issue. You know, whereas the the fives and sixes they had uh the fives tried to reduce their needs so that you know they could easily be taken care of the six kind of like became clingy and loyal and like hung to people the seven said like i'm going to be independent i'm going to take care of myself and i'm just going to ignore this and avoid dealing with any of it you know avoid dealing with any emotionally traumatic issue by hiding in their own thoughts. The pleasure-seeking enthusiast is always ready for the next adventure. However, their insatiable curiosity becomes a curse when they are too distracted or tired to keep going. Yeah, like, they always want to do more, to to learn more, and um, I think in a little while we're going to talk about they have a fear of missing out, but the problem is they can't go forever. 
they have to rest and like they have to put the books down. They have to stop like watching videos and go rest. And if they don't do this, uh, especially when, as they get unhealthy, they can become very disjointed and spend a little bit of time on this and a little bit of time on this and a little bit of time on this, trying to do all the things rather than being able to go, all right, I'm going to finish this one and then I'm going to finish this one. Then I'm going to finish this one and I'm going to take a break in between so I can focus. Yeah. And one place I've seen this with devs a lot is the whole thing of I'm going to watch plural site videos on all the things and not implement any of them. I've got several friends that do like binge watch plural site like, like Netflix. And bear in mind, I'm the last time we checked, I was ahead of the rest of the team where I work as far as the number of hours in plural site. But I know people that I look at and go, you're pathological, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and they totally will. They'll like, they'll watch a video on node. They'll watch a video on AWS Lambda. Then they'll switch over. And it's like, Oh, I'm going to do something on SQL server. Oh, I'm going to do something on agile. And they never actually take it and run with it and do something. And so they, they get really shallow knowledge on a bunch of stuff, but they can't do anything with it. And it, yeah. it's kind of a very similar mindset to their whole approach to life when they get pathological like this. Because you could do the same thing with food, for instance, or yeah. you know, literature. And they do. We'll get into that in a little bit when we, uh, we talk about their deadly sin. You can scroll down and see what it is if you want. The other side of it um, with, the, with the seven is that they don't like being tied down. They avoid any form of long-term commitment for as long as possible. So, you know, uh, this the first thing you think of when you see this is relationships. Yeah, but, but a job would be another one. Yeah. You know, a job, uh, especially if you have College to sign, major. Like, yeah, sign a long-term contract, uh, non-disclosure, where you can't go work for someone else. The thing is, they they don't like being tied down and they live for the new and exciting. So if they can get a guarantee that there's going to be new and exciting, then they're more likely to commit to something long-term. Like if they're going to get to grow and learn and try out all these things, like for example, um, my friend, she is on the worship team at church. She's a seven. Well, the worship team is a commitment. Literally, like you, you sign a commitment saying, hey, you know, barring you know, my job moving me and stuff like that. Obviously there's, you know, circumstances, but barring any of those, you agree to be on the team for a certain amount of time because they're investing a lot into you. There's a lot of training and stuff like that that gets invested into you. So they want to, they don't want you to come in, spend, you know, three or four months getting invested in and learning all this stuff and then go, all right, well, I don't actually want to, to do anything with this or I'm going to go over here and do this somewhere else. So there's like this this commitment there and but there's so much to learn there's so many new opportunities with it that like it's no surprise to me that she signed up for it. Sevens have difficulty making big decisions especially when it comes to things like choosing a career. Their mental abilities allow them an almost superhuman ability to pick up skills quickly and easily, which makes it difficult to stay with one thing for very long. You kind of get the grass is greener on the other side thing. And that, that's the the interesting thing about it is this is well, we've kind of talked about like the superpowers of each Enneagram type. Uh, the seven superpowers are basically that they can their ability to reframe bad situations into something good. 
and they're in like just amazing ability to pick up new skills. You know, I, I have talked about that's one of my talents is I'm good at picking up new skills and stuff. I'm obviously not a seven, but like uh, a seven is like on a whole nother level when it comes to learning new stuff. The thing about that is though, unhealthy enthusiasts, they're the hello world experts. They really are. They're, they, they know how to write hello world in 20 different languages. And because they'll start learning one, they'll be really fascinated by it. And as soon as it starts to get tough, they'll move on to the next one. Yeah. Or as soon as they start seeing something that a different language could do. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll read about it or they'll hear about it. And they're like, all right, well, I'm going to learn them both. And they never get very deep because they're trying to take on too much. Uh, On the other hand, though, when they're balanced, they're the ones creating proof of concepts and getting others excited about the new technology they've learned. I had the, the great opportunity at my last job to go out and learn .NET Core and bring it into uh, to the team and teach the rest of the team about it. If I were a seven, that would have been like the greatest thing because that would like that is the core of who they are. I thought it was really great too. I get along with sevens because we have some similar things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's putting it mildly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you sure? Like this, this is probably if I was going to misdiagnose you as being an Enneagram type of seven is probably one of the ones. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> it's so like you misdiagnosed me as a six mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, very similar uh, kind of things. So now let's talk about the desires and fears of the seven. Yeah, so the basic desire for the enthusiast is to be content or satisfied. They must have their needs met or exceeded. They're motivated to keep themselves busy, excited, and happy so they don't notice any pain. That's the big thing. And and that's uh, and this is also where the difference between me as a two and a seven comes is the sevens want to like their whole motivation behind everything they do is to avoid like emotionality and anything like that. Whereas twos are very emotional. Sevens fight anxiety and insecurity by completely avoiding it at all costs. They dive so deep into things they're doing and their pleasure-seeking behavior that they don't even recognize when they're experiencing emotional downturns. People around them do, but they don't. And, and that's that's the thing with, with the seven is they all the stuff they do, like they will go headlong into something and it can be very useful. Like, you know, if they're, if they're going through something like some difficult events, uh, grieving or something like that, they're great at, you know, marching on through it. The problem is they don't ever really address what's going on. If they're not healthy, like, Healthier sevens are able to do that, but un, uh, like unhealthier ones are not. Well, they don't. They don't even have the feedback loop to tell them they're unhealthy, yeah. which is right. uh, kind of a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah, not an I- ideal thing. You know, the the basic fear is to be deprived or in pain, whether that is physical or emotional. And so, to avoid this, they try to learn and do all the pleasurable things they can find. And boy, that describes some people we know. <laughs> yeah, to a T. Oh. I mentioned it earlier, but they have a very strong fear of missing out or FOMO. 
that leads them to overextending themselves to the point of exhaustion. And then when they become exhausted, they retreat into their own thoughts, their own mental world to, to find comfort. Like I, I know I have talked to my friend who's a seven. She is a huge Tolkien fan, like on par with Will on like Tolkien knowledge and, and stuff. And so, but that was the thing. That's what, where she retreated when she was younger. She would go into reading fantasy, specifically the um, Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. So speaking of healthy and unhealthy, let's go ahead and jump on into some examples of healthy, average, and unhealthy sevens. So the healthy seven is a vivacious extrovert who has learned how to not only accept, but embrace negative emotions when they come. They're able to incorporate disappointment and even pain instead of avoiding it. This better understanding allows them to enthusiastically bring others excitement. Yeah, that's that's the great thing. Like they are, they're not just the life of the party because like all sevens are the life of the party, but they bring the party up with them. Yeah, being able to kind of recast uh, anything that does happen to go wrong does make it a little bit easier to actually have a party instead of it being a uh, the other thing. <laughs> I don't know exactly what you call it, but you've been to a few of those parties too, where something happens and then it's just a downer, you know, for the rest of the time. Uh, These people fix that. The enthusiast is able to use their skill acquisition talent to become an accomplished generalist in the (laughs) workforce. (laughs) Sorry. Acquisition. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm going to leave that one. Their fun, (laughs) adventurous nature is grounded in a practical resilience. Um, Yeah, I I put too many difficult words into that statement. That's on me. But uh, the, the thing about it is they're, they're not the hello world experts when they're healthy. When they're healthy, they're able to take on new skills and dive deep into a particular area or be a, a T-shaped developer where they've got a little depth in one area, but a lot of general knowledge floating on the top so that they can help out in lots of areas and then maybe have like one area where they spend a little bit more time. Now, let's talk about the average seven. So the average will reframe almost every failure, negative or sad event to be positive. They start to lose their inhibitions, becoming flamboyant, saying or doing whatever pops into their heads. Yeah. So they'll do anything to avoid those negative feelings, including pretending like the event isn't negative. Yeah. And they're still the life of the party, but... They're they're fine when the party's up and going. When the party's down, they're the person you look at and go, "Why are you still hyper?" Yeah, uh, yeah. the The mindset is almost like, you know, hey, we ha- we had a flood, but you know that's great because my car is clean now. It, it's like yeah. th- that's not really helping you. <laughs> you know, uh, for the mediocre enthusiast, the waiting is the best part. This is really interesting. They find more pleasure in the anticipation than in the actual event because it ends up being disappointing. They, they're excited about the thing to come. They're excited about, oh, uh, Nintendo just announced the Breath of the Wild 2. And so 
the the seven will take more pleasure in like reading up on it, watching all the videos and stuff, and just being super pumped about the game, and then be disappointed by the game when it actually comes out. They also start to lose focus as their restlessness increases and they crave more adventures or just more choices in life. And when they get unhealthy, they start feeling sorry for themselves and they take on a victim mentality that they've basically been dealt an unfair hand. They try to avoid their own feelings by acting solely on impulse. So this is the, um, you know, this is the thing I, I could have been a contender. Yeah. Kind of mindset. You know, it's like, well, I, I wasn't because somebody screwed me over. It's like, well, no, it's that's not why. <laughs> and at their worst, enthusiasts are highly prone to addiction. They lose control of themselves, experiencing very erratic mood swings. They tend to recklessly risk more and more and more until they are so far beyond what they're willing to lose that they don't even know where they are. Yeah. And they don't know how to get out. Now, the deadly sin for a seven is gluttony, um, which also makes me very curious what we're going to do with the other two types. There's only so many deadly sins, but we'll get back to that (laughs) very soon. (laughs) Three more types, not two. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because you started with an index of two, like some kind of crazy because i wanted to start db derivative oh, i wanted to start with a try at the beginning of a triad yeah I just and it also gave us the you. the intro episode so back to gluttony it makes me think of uh full metal alchemist there for some reason enthusiasts have a compulsive drive to consume every possible stimulation positive experience or high-end material They crave it, and nothing is ever enough for them, especially when they're unhealthy. Negative emotions are absolutely intolerable for the seven. Um, Now, nobody enjoys negative emotions, generally. You never want to say no one does, but like it's close enough to no one that it's basically no one. Your fours kind of enjoy the melancholy, but... Yeah, that's probably about as far as it it, it goes. Um, But even then, like they're recasting that as... Yeah. You know, like it's not as negative for them as it is for others. It's just, yeah. The seven cannot stand sadness, fear, disappointment, or even boredom, which I think boredom is probably the biggest problem that they have to fight. Yeah. Speaking of fighting, their defense mechanisms all involve keeping them active and in a positive mood. Uh, Unfortunately, they are never satisfied in the moment, but instead look for future satisfaction. So they're always looking for the next big thing, the next greatness, the next thing they're going to do. You know, I think of some entrepreneurs like this that I've known. Of all the types on the Enneagram, sevens are the most prone to addiction. When unhealthy, they will indulge and overindulge in drugs that make them feel good. Stimulants for energy or hallucinogen psychotropics so that they can live in their mental fantasies. Yeah, I also wonder too, are they more likely to become addicted because they tried all the things? You know, like I mean, compared to some other types who probably wouldn't. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's more surface area. I don't think it's more that they tried all the things. I think it's more that they are chasing 
the next high. And that's what addiction basically is. It's, it's doing more and more and more to feel um, or to not feel bad. So wings and things or arrows, wings and arrows. Sevens with a six wing are called the entertainer. So they're more grounded than other sevens. You know, the six or loyalist basically brings a conscientiousness to the seven, causing them to maintain connections with people. So they don't bounce all over the place, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're called the entertainer because of their ability to become the enjoyable entertainer around others. And they stick around for a while. So it's not, oh, they're the life of the party. And then they're gone because uh, they got like 27 other groups of friends that they bounce around between. No, they they stick around. They keep going. Like an entertainer is someone who, yeah, they're vivacious. They're they're happy and joyful, and they bring others joy. But they do it consistently, and that's the thing with the the entertainer is you know that with that six wing, they're there and they're more consistent. This also means that they're able to make longer term commitments, uh, even to the point of staying in long term relationships through challenging times. So they don't, you know, they're not just there until it gets rough and then they bail. Yeah. And that that's an interesting thing. Um, they don't typically bail when things go bad. They just, because... The other people leave them. <laughs> well, that happens, but that causes pain. So they don't get into committed relationships to avoid the pain of having to leave the committed relationship. Yeah, the other aspect of the six uh, that you know, is brought to the entertainer is their ability to actually complete projects. Uh, the six wing seven will take on less than the other sevens because they're actually more driven to get something done versus experiencing doing something. Now, on the other side, sevens with an eight wing are called the realist. They are more competitive. The eight or challenger, as Will will be writing about uh, for next month, brings a persuasiveness in a way that will not only get what they want, but get others excited about it too. That's that's the really key thing here is they don't just get what they want. Like they're not man, like it's not manipulation, it's they are infectious. They get others excited about what they want to the point that the others want that too. Though they are assertive and bold, the realist is more focused on having a good time than on gaining power and influence like their eight counterpart. Yeah, they're, you know, the eight is about status and moving up and being powerful. The seven is about having a good time. And so they might be assertive and bold, but they're going to be a, you know, like they're into competitive sports because they enjoy the competition and they're going to play hard and, and fight hard, but they're also going to want it to be fair because then it's not as much fun if it isn't. Yeah, they want to win and actually have won. Exactly. Uh, seven wing eight loves being in a relationship where they're able to contribute to their partner's happiness. However, they're not likely to leave an unhappy relationship because they don't like the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sevens in general don't like endings, but sevens with an eight wing, even more so. They will stay in an unhealthy relationship, unhappy relationship, just ignoring or avoiding the unhealthy aspects of it um, just so they can avoid the ending. Well, and I mean, the other thing is, is with 
you know, being an Enneagram type seven, they're also very able to find things to keep them busy. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to confront that. Exactly. Now, unlike the entertainer, the realist is very easily bored. They have a large collection of unfinished projects. They are basically the polar opposite because they'll start one, get bored, move on to something else. These are not the people you want to be doing house repairs. Yeah, it's like what they say. (laughs) One door closes and another one opens, fire your carpenter. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about the the whole direction of integration thing. Or uh, Basically, as a seven gets more healthy, they kind of point towards being more of a five. So basically, when they move from unhealthy, disorganized gluttony, you know, the impulsive seven becomes fascinated by life, giving them focus like a healthy investigator. Yeah. So, um, you know, the the investigator, uh, the five is very much about like. They're the the minimalist, so to speak, of the Enneagram, like they they want to reduce how much they need. And so when sevens are healthy, they start to realize, hey, I don't need all of this stuff. I don't need all of these experiences. I can I can stop like trying to collect all the things. You know, life isn't Pokemon. Yeah. I will say that with the, some of the sevens I've been around, I've also seen that manifest a little differently. So like they'll also cut back on the amount of crap they have to do to get an experience. Yes, exactly. That's, that's another thing that the, as they get healthier, they start to be able to do that. Yeah. They, they either optimize their parallelism or they reduce the number of threads. Another thing they do is they will stop being a consumer and instead start contributing to the world around them. So instead of trying to like go out and do all the things and take in all the things, they will start creating things and putting things out there. I've seen a couple do that and it's uh it, that's a very good thing by the way for them to do because it yeah. lets them sample all the things but it's it forces healthy limits on it and mm-hmm. forces them to complete projects. Yes. Yes. That's that's how they're able to become like start contributing to the world is that they're now more focused and they're able to complete things and put it out there for the world. And because of all of their experiences and ability to pick up new skills and integrate different areas, they create some of the most interesting things. They also start to become more comfortable on their own or just being quiet in general. This allows them to explore stuff on a deeper level, thinking about the purpose that they have in life. So they're not, you know, doing like the shallow trial of the things. It's like, okay, why am I here? What things can I be doing that, that match that? When becoming like a healthy five, the seven is able to experience satisfaction like they've never had before. And that is that is a big thing is they can be satisfied with what they've done. One of the things we haven't really talked about this is the sevens. One of the things that prevents them from completing things is they're never satisfied with it. They always want to do more. Um, we talk about this in development, like how you're never satisfied with your code. You just realize, hey, I have to move on to something else. Yeah. Products are not completed. They're abandoned. Yeah. 
No. I mean, really, the thing is, is we're all at, at some level, we're kind of all sevens. It's just, uh, yeah, it's an underlying thing that becomes more obvious with them than it is with the rest of us. Um, so the direction of disintegration or stress for the seven points to the one or the perfectionist. When understressed, the undisciplined seven will become critical of themselves and others like an unhealthy one will do. Uh, they pick up a form of perfectionism for the things that they enjoy. And I can definitely think of some times I've, I've worked with some sevens that have very clearly gone in that direction. Like it, it, it is, it's, it's a spiral of negativity, but it's within a uh, defined scope. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's usually about a pleasurable thing and they'll get really like anal retentive about it. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't want the Pinot. You know, I want the this other kind of wine, and they're just like so over the top with it that you're like, okay, it's just fermented grapes, bro. Like, yeah. And I think that was actually from a movie. I remember seeing that and and thinking of people I knew that were unhappy in that way, and I was like, I wonder what that is. Mm-hmm. So, so for an unhealthy seven, their thinking becomes very binary when they're headed toward their one arrow. They tend to see things as black and white, on and off, good or bad, fun or boring. Yeah. And this causes them to honestly lose their optimism and their enthusiasm for life because they veer down a path towards just stressed out pessimism. But, you know, because honestly, like most things are not anywhere close to perfect. And you're going to, you know, if you're in a mindset where you're looking at stuff, looking for the imperfections, you're going to find a lot of them. I just want to know what pessimism is. Pessimism. Pessimistic. <laughs> Not pessimism. Pessimism is is where your your neck flaps open and a candy falls out. Uh, I couldn't help totally it. Totally different. <laughs> That's an add-on. Yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> finally, where before they had sort of a live and let live attitude, the unhealthy sevens become very judgmental. Um, even to the point of arguing and fighting over things like, you know, the type of wine they're drinking. It's just, it, it gets almost to the point of ridiculous because the sevens tend to be a bit over the top in general. Well, and they spread so, it around too. So they're like, they're, it's not just that they're fighting, they're fighting with everybody. Yes. yes. Uh, when it gets really pathological. I've, I've seen that one happen at, in a work environment and it's, yeah, it's awesome. So speaking of fighting with everyone, let's uh, talk about interactions with others. So interacting with sevens, when you do this, remember that they just want to have fun and they are trying to avoid any type of discomfort or negative emotional situation. So they, you know, they don't want to like come to the funeral and stuff like that. But they'll come to the after party and be like, yeah. you know, here, here's some stories about this guy. The enthusiast is quick witted, funny, and extremely optimistic. When not overdoing it, uh, they're a lot of fun to be around and brighten up any room they enter. Yeah. And part of this is because storytelling is their preferred form of communication. Uh, they really love hearing, telling, and swapping stories. And to them, sharing a similar story to yours is one of the highest compliments because it means that they're paying attention and they're showing understanding. 
So they're not trying to one up you. And I know, Beach, you and I have had this conversation in a couple different places over the last like three or four months. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a very similar thing. Uh, it, it's not insulting. No. Enthusiasts may get overwhelmed if they aren't careful, which can lead them to shut down. Uh, their fear of missing out may drive them to show up if an event is of particular interest, even if they are exhausted. Let's talk about how to work with a seven because it's a different set of skills than some of the others we've talked about. Uh, healthy enthusiasts are an asset on any team. They're able to take a setback no matter how bad, and then they reframe it in a way that will motivate the other members to push forward or they figure out some kind of advantage they get from it, just straight up. Their ability to, to accumulate and process information on many different subjects leads them to see patterns and connect dots that weren't uh, noticed before. And they're innovators, you know, as a result, with the ability to dream up great ideas and then initiate them, though their follow through kind of sucks sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it might. Uh, mm-hmm. They also tend to bounce around from job to job following the next big thing. And this is very evident in the tech world where most jobs only last a few years. Like I'm reminded I have a coworker that I've worked with and like you talk to him about his job history and he tells it like it's so seven. That's so seven. But yeah, it, it is because he'll say, oh, well, I worked here and then I heard that they're doing like I worked here and we were doing classic ASP. And then I heard like I learned about MVC and I heard they're doing it over here. So I switched and I went over here and did that for a couple of years and then I learned about this. And so I moved over here and then I heard about this and I moved over here. And it's, it's always following the biggest trends, the next big thing, the next new thing. And like he, he did, he was super excited about the next big thing <laughs> all the time. Well, you know, and I will say Still tech is. does <laughs> yeah, tech kind of forces this to be a survival trait to mm-hmm. some degree too. Right. Like, we have a prevalence in these kind of people because they're the ones that survive best. Yeah. Um, enthusiasts are best on many small projects uh, or working at a startup where they have to wear a lot of different hats throughout the day because it allows them to use their ability to quickly gain skills in areas with no previous knowledge. And they love that. Like, yeah, uh, I do too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sevens also work best when they're allowed flexibility, but they need a good leader to hold them accountable and help them keep themselves on a task. They do not work well with overly controlling leaders. In fact, they'll rebel straight up. (laughs) So friendships with sevens. Enthusiasts uh, are a lot of fun to hang out with and will liven up any party. They aren't very good at keeping up with people afterward, however. So that's going to be on you to maintain that relationship. Yeah. And you'll probably be okay with it to a large extent because these people are naturally cheerful, uh, at least if they're healthy. And they tend to not only see the positive in everyone, but they have the ability to bring that out in other people. Yeah, they can be great friends to have when going through a rough time. Um, like I said, they're not the type to come to a funeral, but when you're going through a really hard time and I just think of like 
grief is is something that I think a seven is really good at when they're not experiencing it, but they have a friend who is because they can help distract you from that. Yeah, they don't talk about the the death. They talk about the life. Um, or actually, they won't talk about the person at all. That's the thing. Yeah. They'll completely avoid that. They'll get you off on something completely different, and they probably won't even be talking. You'll be out rock climbing or skydiving or something like that with them and just completely get your mind off of it. And that's where they thrive. Like I, I have friends who they know that about themselves. And so they tell people like I've literally heard them say when a mutual friend of ours parent passed away, Hey, you know, right now is not the, not the time, but when you're ready, give me a call because like there was that mutual knowledge of they'll help you get through it. And they're always up for an adventure, but they tend to overcommit themselves socially. Uh, Many times friends of a seven will say they feel abandoned because the seven can't make all the commitments that they make. Speaking of commitments, relationships with sevens. Enthusiasts are ready to go no matter what the adventure and they expect their partner to be up for whatever they come up with from skydiving to a lecture at an art museum. Yeah, and most people are not like that. So uh, <laughs> it, could, it could be entertaining. Sevens are also extremely independent, you know, hence the whole jumping around all over the place. And their coping mechanism to feeling anxious is to just take care of themselves. This means that they feel trapped when they're in a confining relationship. Yeah, they don't do well with clingy partners. Sevens and twos would not get along. <laughs> they fear pain and sadness of separations. So this is why sevens are so cautious when getting into a committed relationship. You know, they need to know that once they commit, it's going to last. This is very similar to the others in the head triad. Um, all of them are are kind of slow to commit to relationships. Uh, but the sevens sort of reasoning is a little bit different. Like their motives, each one of them have different motives. The other reason that enthusiasts are slow to commit is that they want to keep their options open. And once committed, they will no longer have those options. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big thing for them is they, they don't want to not have the option because what if something better comes along? Yeah. And that's not a very good place to be. So guys, sevens bring a childlike wonder to the world. Their adventurous spirit and curious nature can revitalize even the hardest curmudgeon. Though their avoidance of anything uncomfortable can cause them even more uncomfort and discomfort should be the word I was using there. And problems. (laughs) This is what happens when I go off script. Uh Uh, If you are a seven, remember that pain is unavoidable in life. Though you may be able to reduce it some, be sure to practice moderation when enjoying life. Understand that true happiness and satisfaction will not be found in the next adventure. You have to find it in yourself. Friends of enthusiasts can help them by sharing their stories of overcoming painful events. Help them to see that they can be content and happy with who they are and what they have. Now, guys, if you're interested in learning more about the sevens, uh, if you are one or you know some, which I'm pretty sure if you're in the tech industry, you know several, uh, check out the Aftercast. 
for more on how sevens can improve themselves and how you can help the sevens in your life. That pretty much wraps it up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, you know, the childlike wonder that the seven has, you know, learning new tech, learning new things. Hey, I'm going to go experiment with this other idea. Um, while it can get to the point of being distracting, it's actually a bit of a superpower, um, especially if you're in an industry that changes all the time. Now, I've been in tech for a while. I'll just leave that as an undefined number because um, it's been quite a few years. And you see the same things come through in different forms over and over again. There's almost like a loop that we go through on the way we structure things. So, you know, there's like the loop of, hey, we're going to put everything on the mainframe and we're going to have dumb terminals connecting to it. And then everything goes out to the terminals. And you have thick clients and, oh, this kind of this kind of stinks. And so we're going to devolve things back to the server. Like you, you see that multiple times. Now it's, hey, we're going to devolve it to the cloud, but it's still the same kind of idea, right? And one thing I've noticed with the old timers in the industry that do well and they actually are able to adapt is they still feel a sense of wonder, even though it's very similar to the stuff that they've done before. It's, it's a difference of environment. It's like, okay, how are they going to apply it this time, learning the lessons that they hopefully got from last time versus, oh, this is the same old crap that we were dealing with eight years ago. The thing is, is when you can get yourself into a headspace where you're happy to learn the new stuff, you kind of have a pretty significant advantage over the other people who can't do that. Um, And so being able to manage that headspace and that childlike curiosity is probably one of the strongest things you can do as a developer Um, or anybody really just in general anywhere, but especially in tech. So I just want to kind of throw that out there. Like this is something that you should steal from the sevens around you. Like watch how they react to stuff and then go do that. And I think you'll have a lot of personal growth from doing that. And that's pretty much all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at completedevpod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.